The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona. And I want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. I found some interesting things about Valentine's Day I want to share with you. Interesting stuff. We spend a little over $1.3 billion on Valentine's Day. We exchange over $180 million cards. We buy over 196 million roses, and this one I love, over 58 million pounds of chocolate. That's a lot of chocolate. That's a lot of love. Or you might want to ask with Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Oh, it's a great question. We talk about love a lot. We use the the word a little loosely sometimes, you know, we say, oh, for instance, I just love chocolate. Teenage girls probably gush, oh, I just love Justin Bieber. I love my car. I love pizza and ice cream. Um, we love our spouses or significant other. Is it the same kind of love? No, not really. And we say we love a lot of things and a lot of people. We talk about it. Most of us can remember our first crush and how we felt. We think that's love. But we can't, most of us, really define it. If somebody said to you, what is love? What would you tell them? Oh, it's a tough one. Today we're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about Love Addiction, and we have an expert with us. Dr. Masha Godkin is a therapist. She received her Bachelor's uh, in, of Arts in Psychology from UCSD and her Master of Arts and uh, Doctorate of Psychology in Marriage and Family Therapy from Alliant International University. She serves as adjunct faculty at Argosy University, Alliant International University, and Central Texas College, teaching various undergraduate, master's, and doctoral level counseling psychology courses. Her clinical experience includes individual, group, couples, and family therapy, online, online counseling, as well as facilitating smart recovery meetings. Dr. Godkin also has an extensive background in drama and music, is a classically trained singer, and was a former child actor. Love that. I love to see that in anybody's background. She specializes in self-esteem enhancement through the use of cognitive behavioral therapy. And those of you who listen to this show know that we talk a lot about self-esteem here. Her ultimate goal is to help clients move towards achieving their own personal 
potential. It is such an honor to welcome you, Dr. Masha Godkin. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, you know, we're going to have a lot of things to talk about today. So let's start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Who is Masha Godkin? Okay. Um, well, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I, I have a practice uh, in San Diego, and I teach courses. And um, I think my background in the arts actually influenced me to go into the uh, helping profession, to the field of psychology. Um, I started out very young, about four years old, and I was an actor for about ten years. My life. Were you in anything that we would remember? Um, maybe uh, Madonna's video, Oh Father. I played Madonna's child. Um, and a few movies of the week. Uh, William Devane, John Schneider, movies of the week. Um, about 15 commercials. Uh, some different ad campaigns. So um, perhaps bits in theater as well. Uh, but interestingly, the experiences uh, in the entertainment industry made me just realize um, how just exhausting it can be on a child mentally, emotionally to to be there, and and how fragile self esteem actually yes. is. Yes. Uh, Does it have a role in how you approach clients? Now, I would think that it could be very helpful in dealing with other people. Absolutely, yes. I mean, and also it's realizing what are all these uh, thoughts. How uh, do outside people, criticism, uh, one person can say something and that can affect your whole day, your whole being. You can feel great about yourself one moment and then bad the next moment. And then it's realizing, well, how do you go from feeling great and then feeling bad? How can somebody have so much power and what are you then internalizing? What are the thoughts and messages you're saying to yourself that's really damaging your, your self-esteem? Interesting, and we need to talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk a little bit about what you do, though. You say that you use cognitive behavioral therapy. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think it's important that the listeners know what your approach is to helping people. Okay, sure, absolutely. Uh, so cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, um, that's an approach that emphasizes the importance of thoughts. Thoughts are overall human actions and emotions. Uh, so you know, sometimes thoughts can be maladaptive, and what that means is uh, that they don't really serve the best interest of the individual. Um, so what CBT involves is really making that awareness between What's the link between thoughts, emotions, and behaviors? And so once you uh, attain this awareness, uh, you can use a set of skills, and so these are all skills that can be learned and they can be applied. And then all of these maladaptive thoughts, uh, they can be challenged. They can be changed. So, so CBT involves ident- identification of uh, the client's maybe distorted negative thoughts, negative cognitions, uh, and there's various techniques and strategies that can be implemented. Let's talk a little bit about distorted negative cognition. The thought I was, the question that was coming to my mind is, as you were talking about CBT, is uh, our concept of love and what we get from the media, what we grow up with, 
you know, um, all of those things. Do most of us have a distorted, negative cognition regarding love? Um, I think so. There's all types of uh, negative distortions, thoughts, um, you know, these black and white thinking, I have to do this, or this is always this way, this is always um, um, bad, or this is always good. And the same thing with love, like this is what love needs to look like. Right? Yeah, it's sort of the Cinderella thing. Yeah. It's what we get from TV. Exactly. So we view it in a certain way, and if we get to a certain age and, and we're not there, then we can be very hard on, us, on ourselves and think, well, something is wrong, and search for, for perfection that uh, you know, just doesn't exist. Yeah, perfection doesn't exist. Excellent point. Perfection doesn't exist in either us or the person we love, <laughs> but we still sometimes expect it from from them, exactly. not necessarily from ourselves. You mentioned self-esteem, and I know you work um, in self-esteem enhancement. Uh-huh. What does how important is self-esteem in this whole arena of of love um, and how we react to other people? Okay, well, self-esteem is. <laughs> So vital for so many aspects um, of a person's life. A lot of issues, a lot of problems that come up: um, substance abuse, addiction, depression, anxiety, love addiction. All of these things can stem from a low self of uh, sense of worth. Um, self-esteem is is part of the self-concept. It's how we view ourselves. It's how we value ourselves. Do we feel that we're making some sort of contribution? Uh, to the world? Um, are we worthy of even happiness? I mean, all of these components go into uh, self-esteem. Are we competent? Uh, can we cope with life's challenges? Do, be- do we believe we can cope? Okay. Uh, so there are two main components of self-esteem uh, that I want to touch on, and that in- involves self-efficacy okay, and then a sense of personal worth. Okay, self-efficacy it's really the belief that we're capable. We, we can organize. We can execute the course of action that we lay out for ourselves. Um, we can manage any situation that comes our way. Um, and we believe that we will be successful in the situation. Uh, and all of this involves our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings. Um, so having high self-esteem can make us happier people, can make us more successful people. We, we aren't afraid to take risks, to take initiatives, because we realize these risks can have a lot of payoffs. Um, we're not afraid to speak our minds, to make decisions. If you, someone suffers from low self-esteem, they're going to have a hard time making a decision. Um, they're going to have a hard time coping with life stressors. Um, so one of the big signs of low self-esteem will involve um, just this fear of doing anything. We might fear paralyzed that if we're going to step outside of our comfort zone, what's going to happen? And then again, like I mentioned, this perfectionist attitude. So this can really set us up for failure, right? Because perfection doesn't oh, exist. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What do you think in our society is the... 
the biggest contributing factor to people's low self-esteem because I meet so many people who are really suffering because their esteem is so low, their self-esteem is so low. You know, I used to do a lot of hypnotherapy and I would ask people, you know, on a scale of one to five, how much do you like yourself? Mm-hmm. And they would say, can I go to minus? Yeah. Which always surprised me. Well, I think a lot of different components come into it. Um, and there's this nature versus nurture argument, aren't there? So, uh, out there. Um, so, where do we get this? Um, is it messages that we, we maybe receive as children? Is there a genetic component? And um, some research indicates that um, maybe parents, parents can play a, an important role in the child's emerging sense of self. Um, so it can be learned from parents. Um, it can be inherited. And then there's just the, the, just the temperament that the child is born with. Um, maybe the temperament is difficult. Uh, maybe the child is slow to warm up to people. Um, and all of these components can really influence the self-esteem. Um, environment definitely shapes self-esteem. So having uh, early positive experiences with parents or significant others, caretakers, um, this can really instill a healthy sense of self-worth in the child early on. Um, and then also culture, that plays a, an important part in self-esteem. Um, so interesting comparing Western culture and um, maybe other cultures. Western culture really puts an emphasis on the concepts of individualism, um, outward appearance, being extroverted. And so these all are qualities that become connected to self-esteem. And then looking at Eastern culture, well, the value there could be collectivism, modesty. Um, so a child may be, may be held back from um, evaluating him or herself positively um, due to some of those values. Um, so we have two components, really, in self-esteem. We have the global self-esteem. And what that means is the global is this is who we are. Um, usually it maintains, it's constant. But then you have uh, the situational self-esteem, and that depends on the context, on the situation. And so it's really in a constant state of of fluctuation. Um, So it can be, uh, for example, at home, you can have high self-esteem. Maybe at work, you can have low self-esteem. Interesting. Masha, it's time for us to go to break. I want to talk more about this when we come back. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Masha Godkin, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected are you where you want to be in life 
Are you experiencing the happiness that you're entitled to? How'd you like to improve your life and well-being? Take a weekly break to listen to Change Your Mind, Change Your Life with your hosts, Jim and Lynn Swearingen. You'll learn how hypnosis can truly help you rewrite the chapters of your life. You'll also learn to change perceptions of what hypnosis is and what it isn't. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Dr. Masha Godkin. And we've been talking about self-esteem as it relates to love and love addiction. You know, there's a saying, uh, known hobbit, known dobbit, you can't give what you don't have. So the underpinnings of giving love is loving yourself, which is a concept that's hard for some people. Masha, you deal with people, a lot of people who have self-esteem challenges, I guess we could say. What can you do for someone who really has low self-esteem? Where do you start? Okay. uh, Well, uh, like I mentioned, I like to use uh, CBT as an approach. Uh, And so what I do is really kind of break it down. Where does the person receive the message that they're not good enough, they're not worthwhile. Where does this come from? Um, uh, so it, CBT involves, it's pretty active, and sometimes I give homework assignments, and that can include journaling. It can include a thought record. And it's so on a daily basis, we can start to be aware of what is all this negative self-talk uh, that we do. All right, so it's really about stopping, reflecting, processing what's going on in my mind that's making me feel so bad about myself. Um, so when you journal, uh, maybe it's, uh, you can look at a situation. What was the situation that triggered this feeling of, oh, I'm not, I'm not adequate, I'm not worthwhile? What was that emotion that was tied to the situation? What exact thought was running through our minds. Sometimes we can have thoughts that are like broken records. They play over and over again. Uh, And these are called automatic thoughts. So what I do is help clients to identify what these uh, automatic thoughts are. Um, And they really happen instantaneously. So we're, we're not usually aware of these thoughts. We're just aware that we feel bad about ourselves. Right. Um, Yeah, so with that awareness, um, it's digging deeper and making the connection between the thought, uh, the feeling, um, looking at core beliefs. So it's it's like an onion. You can look at the layers. You can look at the what's the automatic thought, uh, 
then what's the underlying assumption? Okay, what's and that's usually an if-then statement. Okay, if um, everyone would just love me, then that would mean I'm a worthwhile person and I would feel good about myself. Right, but so right. <laughs> Let me ask you this: When okay. people say something like that, if people would just love me, are they able to receive love when it's given? I, I don't think so. Not not typically, because um, sometimes as well, they're going to love me, and that will make me feel whole. That will fill the void. And then they realize that they just, they still feel like something is missing. And then they go on to find, try to search for something else and blame, well, it's just this person, the partner isn't giving me what I want. But the idea is that they don't feel complete. Their insecurity, um, their low self-esteem is making it very difficult for them to have a fulfilling relationship. Now, you brought up a thought that I'm hearing more and more, and that's that, you know, so-and-so completes me. And I find that a really disturbing kind of thought because, you know, I have this uh, belief that I'm complete. Mm-hmm. Now, how can somebody complete somebody else? Yeah, and, it, and it's not really possible until you feel good about yourself. You're gonna, it's going to be difficult for you to even be a loving person, to share, to be... Um, you're, to live, really full, live up to your fullest potential. And so you'll find ways to maybe sabotage the relationship, to push the person away, because underneath you're feeling, well, how can they love me when I'm not adequate? Right? So that yeah. can be. What's the matter with them that they love <laughs> me? Exactly. And that could be the core belief that, that's really causing all the problems. The I'm not lovable, the I'm not good enough, right? And then uh, that's how they in turn act. It's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy that happens. Have most, you know, have most of these people that you see experienced a childhood that was filled with, oh, you can't do that. Uh, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? Uh, don't even try that. You can't do that. Absolutely. This sort of a lot of, uh, sometimes with siblings, a lot of comparisons. Um, some people have had uh, traumas in their childhood that haven't been resolved, um, some attachment issues, maybe an abandonment, and then they're left feeling um, incomplete or unlovable. And so if they haven't processed that, work through uh, these comparisons with siblings, a competition, um, issues with their parents, feelings of abandonment perhaps, then this will definitely play out in their future, in their uh, successes in work and in their personal life and their relationships. You know, this brings up a thought. I worked some years ago with two people who had had heart transplants. Neither had had any counseling prior to it, and both of them had been adopted when they were young. Both of them had the idea, if even my own mother didn't love me, how can anybody else and basically, they were broken-hearted. I mean, that you know, when, way down deep, and and they simply could not reconcile that they could be lovable if their mother left them. Yeah, and it's a, it's very difficult because sometimes 
it's so ingrained, this, this thought or this core belief in our minds, that we really have to work very hard, very actively to challenge it. Otherwise, um, unfortunately, it can really damage uh, a person's future, a person's uh, uh, potential, their relationships that they're going to have could all come back to this one, uh, as you pointed out, that example, uh, one trauma. And that's really not uncommon. I, I've seen cases like that. So can you change their core beliefs? Um, you can. Uh, you can, but that is going to require definitely um, some effort, uh, like anything else. Um, oh, you mean you have to it. work at it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Can't you just fix them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's that's sometimes the problem. I see clients say, "Well, you know, I'm I have I'm going to come in for a session or two, and all the problems I've had for thirty years or forty years, can you just <laughs> magically can they go away?" <laughs> Um, so of course the answer is no, but they can with time. I mean, think about how much, how long it took to acquire um, these core beliefs, right? Right. So you know, uh, two aspects, and going back to self-esteem for a second. So we have situational, and then we have global self-esteem. Okay. Um, so we can. Change, situational is a lot easier to change than global, but we can go to that deeper level and we can work on the global self-esteem. Um, so, again, it's going to take work. It's going to take reflection. Um, therapy can be very helpful to, uh, to make you really deep, dip, uh, deeper and learn these skills that you can apply during the week. So I like to give um, homework assignments. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, some of the homework assignments in- include really reflection. So what what was going on during the week? What were the triggers? Um, I statements. Um, that can be very helpful in raising uh, self-esteem. So that's really uh, being able to express um, what we want, verbalize it. Our partners aren't going to read our minds, right? Um, so we have to be confident. We have to learn how to say, you know what, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I would like. Um, and that, that really is going to show that we're worth standing up for. We're worth the, um, uh, having opinions. And we can, we can speak up. And that it's okay. Um, so, for instance, um, rather than starting with a you statement, you always make me feel this way. This, the partner hearing a you statement can feel very defensive, right? They can shut down if you're, oh, when you do this, when you, it can come across as blaming or an attack. So it's learning um, these different tools. And an I statement is just one example of a tool that I might use. Uh, just a simple thing to practice so that the, uh, your, your significant other can receive your message in a way that they're more open to it, more receptive, and that's really going to increase communication. That's going to make you feel better about yourself. Don't people with low self-esteem have a really hard time saying what they want? Absolutely. Can they can they even formulate what it is they want? Um, sometimes they don't know what they want, or maybe they do, but they're so afraid that this. If they say what they want, that the other person isn't going to accept them, isn't going to love them, 
that they're going to come across as demanding. They're always um, censoring themselves. And that's just such a difficult way to go through life, always second-guessing, um, first of all, what they want, and, and then if they're worth speaking up, you know, if it's worth saying what they want and how that message is going to be received. So it's, uh, it's kind of like the mind is on overdrive. Mm. Yes. Mm. You can, you know, just by talking about it, you can see how you'd run into trouble in a relationship when you can't say what you want, you can't ask for what you need. Um, you probably are using a lot of you statements, you always. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Um, and you see problems associated with low self-esteem all the time. Yeah. It, I mean, really, it affects, like I mentioned, so many aspects of a person's life. Uh, a person can suffer from depression, um, anxiety. They can develop um, even a substance abuse problem or another addiction. All of these things can act as a way to just momentarily escape feeling... Uh, just unworthwhile. Feel, having this low sense of self-worth can feel very uncomfortable. It can be exhausting to have to walk around carrying this this kind of burden of, oh, I don't know what I offer the world. And so all of these problems that, that come up, addictions, depression, anxiety, all of these can be ways to sabotage themselves um, from, from really achieving uh, their potential. Well, yeah, we give ourselves a good dose of ha- what I call happy hormones, and we feel better, just we feel better, and we feel a little better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Let's talk a little bit about low self-esteem or self-esteem and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. People with low self-esteem want love desperately. Because they feel so unloved. How can they get into a solid relationship when they have no love for themselves? You know, how, how, I mean, I just can see all kinds of trouble here. What, <laughs> Absolutely. What you... <laughs> I mean, all kinds of unhealthy behaviors can, can come up, right? Um, oh ways to sabotage themselves. So, I mean, there's, definite, uh, there's definitely a connection between having low self-esteem and in struggling with uh, relationships or even developing what's uh, known as a love addiction. Right? Okay, can, can you describe, so we can compare, and this may be a really unfair question, I don't know, what does healthy love look like? You're a marriage counselor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's going to involve um, being able to... To know who you are when you're with that person. So you have togetherness, right? You love your time together, but then you're not, oh my God, where do they go? Where are they, what are they doing? So you trust the other person. And you really, ultimately, what it comes down to is you trust yourself. You trust yourself in the relationship. Um, so healthy love is not seeking to feel complete and, and worthwhile not seeking for that other person to make you feel that way because you already feel whole. You're already fine. You can be alone and feel content. You can be with a group of people, with friends. You can be with your significant other, and you feel um, secure. You know who you are. But 
the problem comes up is when, when you're not, when you're feeling like something is missing. And so then these unhealthy behaviors can come up, this neediness, right, sometimes clinginess. Um, we may feel that this craving, this craving for constant attention, affection. Um, so that would be all uh, unhealthy. So somebody, for example, with a love addiction may crave this attention and affection all the time because... They feel, well, if they receive this, then maybe they won't feel so bad about themselves. Maybe they won't feel like they have a void anymore. And Um, speaking of void, it's time for us to have a little void in our conversation with Station Break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Masha Godkin, saying stay tuned. We're going to talk more about love addiction when we come back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Masha Godkin. We've been talking about what healthy love looks like, and we're going to talk a little bit about what unhealthy love or love addiction looks like. It was a surprise to me. I, I found Masha because I read an article that she had written about love addiction, and I thought I'd never thought about that. This is real. We need to talk about this on the radio. And she graciously agreed that she would come on and discuss Love addiction. Tell us a little bit about what love addiction looks like, Masha. Okay. Um, well, a um, love addict. Um, there can be a lot, many different signs uh, to look for in love addiction. Um, so, 
a love addict may quickly jump from one relationship to the next, right? Looking to to fill that void. Is that um, because they like all that initial excitement? Yes, exactly. Because that initial uh, lust, right? Rather than love, it's that passion, the excitement, the newness of it. Thinking, well, now maybe this person is going to to make me feel whole and. So there's a lot of expectations placed on the person, and yet this excitement can be very addictive uh, for a person. But, you know, the honeymoon period, right, that doesn't usually last very long, this intense passion. So when it ends for a love addict, then they might um, start looking for someone else, someone else to get that next high, that experience of uh, somebody paying so much attention to them. Um, so this becomes a pattern uh, for a love addict. And an addict can go years and not even realize that this is what they're doing. They're not consciously aware of this, of this pattern. Um, of course, it's possible that a love addict is going to be in a long-term relationship at, at some point in their lives. But then when they are in a, a long-term relationship... This can it can have a lot of drama. There can be a lot of cycling, the the high points in the relationship, and then the very low points in their relationship. Um, and even that, they can crave that that intensity. Um, and what's interesting is that some studies have shown that actually the same brain center, the reward center of the brain, is activated, whether it's um, any kind of addiction, whether it's a drug addiction or whether it's a love addiction. Um, so you're telling me that the same thing is happening in a person's brain when he, they're addicted to love, that they are if they're addicted to cocaine or alcohol exactly. or yes. any other drug? A love addict can go through withdrawals very much like a, a drug addict can. When that substance is in there, whether it's you know a drug or that substance is love, right? When love isn't there... Um, the love addict can experience cravings, repeated cravings, and then they can fall into a, a state of depression, uh, a withdrawal state. Uh, and then they can uh, just, they want to get that next experience. Uh, and sometimes the drawbacks, the consequences can become greater than actually the pleasurable experience that they receive and yet they still continue on this quest in their Like addiction. any addict would continue. Like any addict, yes, they have so withdrawals. Is, mm-hmm. is this what underpins many of the affairs that married people have? I think is, that could be, yes, absolutely. Um, that could be a, a definite explanation for it. Um, Lyle Lovett had a song that I remember from a long time ago called What Do You Do When It Stops Being New? And that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It stops being new. Right, exactly. And that's not true love, but it's just that it's this high, this this excitement that the person craves. Um, but what happens is that really the, the love addict can end up feeling very helpless very out of control in the situation, yet unable to stop. I mean, that's what essentially stalking is. It's like a, the most destructive form of love addiction. The person is completely out of control in their lives, but they feel such a craving to be near the person that they love, 
the withdrawals that they experience are so strong that they're not aware anymore. On the rational mind, they don't realize what it is that they're doing. Doing is just an impulse. So um, a love addict can uh, feel very agitated, very anxious, uh, and ultimately um, fall into a depression. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Are they addicted to love or are they addicted to lust? And can they tell the difference between the um, two? Usually they can't tell the difference if they haven't uh, reached this level of awareness. Uh, but it's really, yes, it's this initial courting. It's the lust that they're addicted to. Now the question, where do you start to help people who have a love addiction? I can see that it could be more devastating than an addiction to a chemical substance. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, it can be very important to uh, seek individual therapy to find uh, self-help groups out there. There's a lot uh, that can be um, that can really be helpful. So a person can realize where they're not they're not alone struggling in this. Uh, it can be very scary, you know, to have a love addiction. Um, but it's important to remember. Well, that doesn't mean uh, the person is abnormal or crazy. And I get those questions a lot. Oh. Does that make me um, insane? Does that make me crazy in a way because I feel these emotions? And and no, because on some level or another, maybe we've many people have experienced um, some aspect of love addiction. Right? Is there a difference between sex addiction and love addiction? Um, yeah, sex addiction it's more the high, the purely the physical, whereas love addiction. Um, they want they want the emotional component. They want the attachment. They want somebody to um, to tell them that they're wonderful. They're good enough. They constantly crave um, attention and compliments. So it's yes, love addiction is a little bit more complicated. There's also uh, this very strong emotional component to it. Um, so what is really important, I think, in helping with love addiction is to start to recognize what are these patterns that the person has. Because without the awareness, it's going to be impossible to, in my opinion, to, to break through um, these these unhealthy patterns. Uh, so, and if you don't, if a love addict doesn't change it, unfortunately what will happen is that they'll continue going from one relationship to another and ultimately it'll, it'll be difficult to find um a satisfying, healthy relationship. Do they usually find a relationship with someone else who has a low self-esteem issue? Yes, absolutely. And what's interesting is that a love addict may find somebody who is uh, kind of more emotionally closed off, more distant. And so, (laughs) ironically, they want this attention but then they're finding somebody who is not giving it to them. So in some ways, it's a self-sabotage <laughs> because they feel so uh, inadequate, so insecure with themselves. Um, it's perpetuating what they think. It's perpetuating their self-fulfilling prophecy that they're going to pick somebody who is completely wrong for them and try to change them. And, of course, that never, uh, never works out. <sighs> You know, uh, before the show started, we talked a little bit about unconditional love, and, and my idea is that there probably isn't such a thing. 
but these people are looking for some unconditional, constant, emotional high. Right, which Aren't is so they? difficult to sustain. I mean, that would be uh, exhausting to sustain that level. I mean, relationships, they fluctuate in, um, you know, even on a daily basis. So to expect a relationship to be perfect and unconditional, I mean, how many people have a list of what they're expecting of the other person or their their request? I will love you if only you would, then I can love you. And people in a love addiction, I will love you as long as you're giving me all the satisfaction that I require. Is that kind of Absolutely. And that, again, sets them up for for disappointment because nobody can can give them everything they want, right? They're they're feeling incomplete, and the other person isn't going to magically um, fix that. Um, So, yeah, that can definitely set up a a difficult situation. And this idea of... uh, um, of unconditional, yeah. It's uh, I also uh, a struggle with that because there's always certain expectations, and the problem is many people think that they're going to be able to to change a person just because they want to. If the other that person doesn't want to change, they're going to insist that they change, make them, um, set up these these rules, these expectations, and really it just pushes uh, the two people further away from each other. And on that note, it's time to take another break. So think about the things in your relationship while we take this break that you think you need to change in the other person. Maybe you need to rethink that. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Masha Godkin, saying stay tuned for more of the Self-Improvement Show. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Meet best-selling authors, find tantalizing new books, learn the latest healthy living tips, and be inspired to coach yourself to success on Star Style. Be the star you are every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on World Talk Radio. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her health hero daughter, Heather Brittany, fire up the airwaves with upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thursdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Come play with us. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. 
Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Masha Godkin. We've been talking about love addiction, and I just am always amazed at how fast time goes because we could talk another couple hours and still not cover this subject. Dr. Masha Godkin, tell us how people can find you. Okay. Um, so you can go to online therapy with drmasha.com. So that's online therapy with, there's a dash, dr-masha.com. Um, or you can just Google online therapy, Dr. Masha, and you'll find that on the, on uh, the web. Uh, and then you can go to my website. Uh, and over there, um, you can go to the getting started section. You can go to the contact me link. Um, there's forms you can fill out, uh, and that, that form is going to go directly to my safe mail account. Um, I offer free initial email consultations. Um, you can tell me about yourself, if there are certain issues you would like help with, um, any questions you might have uh, for me, and let me know what, what service you might be interested in, uh, and I'll respond to you, and, and we can go from there. You can also find her on the self-improvement blog. If you go to the blog, you can see her picture there. And at the end of the announcement about the show, I have the link to her website. So just be sure you find her. You do online therapy as well, don't you, Masha? Yes. Um, I have a an office in San Diego, and I do online therapy, which includes email therapy, chat therapy, Skype therapy, uh, telephone counseling, uh, so there are various um, options for that. Um, and I find that there's really no one-size-fits-all approach. And some people are better expressing themselves through writing. Um, some people prefer to verbalize it. Uh, so, And there's something about um, this anonymity. Sometimes a person feels more comfortable at home in their personal setting. And you can actually get to um, your goals. You can work on the topics you want to quicker, I find, uh, with online therapy than you might in a traditional one-on-one setting. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about that. And thank goodness some of the stigma that we used to connect with seeing a therapist is gone, thanks mainly to some of the celebrities who are so open about seeing a therapist. You know, we all need help sometimes. We just can't do some of this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you can do the self-esteem work online, or Absolutely. any way that you any way that you approach it, you can still help them with their self-esteem issues, can't you? Absolutely, yes, just as you would in a face-to-face session. And I find uh, the clients that th- there's a disinhibiting effect that happens um, with online therapy. There's just something about it that makes a person feel more comfortable and thus to to really open up more. And, yeah, there's no limitation for that. Um, self-esteem issues, addiction issues, anxiety, depression, these are all things that uh, can I can do with online therapy, and I can use cognitive behavioral therapy approaches 
you see patients office. in your office as well, though. You see, yes. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, face, so, I, so there's different options. I mean, if somebody uh, prefers uh, the traditional face-to-face, that's fine. If somebody prefers chat therapy, fine, or Skype, fine. It, it's, I just want to give as many options to my clients as I can because we all uh, prefer, we all like different ways. We learn in different ways. It also allows you to work with people anywhere in the world, which I find wonderful because I can see that you could help someone with addictions, love addiction is what we're talking about today, no matter where they lived. And if they heard the show and said, oh, I wish wish she could help me, you can. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, You don't have to suffer and you have to really, uh, you're not alone in this. This is really what I, I want to convey. And sometimes we all have um, some aspects of this longing, right, or this loneliness. I mean, we all have experienced loneliness at, at one point uh, in our lives or another. We talk about being lonely in a crowd. That kind of loneliness oh. really needs somebody, with, somebody yes. to help them through that. But it, we have to recognize that it's okay. We can get through uh, these feelings. They, they can be temporary. They don't have to. Loneliness doesn't have to control our lives and our decisions. But the problem happens when uh, a person isn't able to cope with the loneliness. When they get the self-destructive means to quick fixes, it can develop a love addiction. So if you learn how to cope with these natural, normal feelings that come up, like loneliness, um, healthier ways to cope, then uh, then things don't have to go downhill. Right? And there, you know, there's, all, there's always help. You don't have to stay stuck. You know, if you're in an unhappy situation, you don't have to stay there. You know, there's, there's somebody around. And um, you know, tell them again how they can reach you. Okay. Uh, so you would go to online therapy dash D R dash m-a-s-h-a dot com so online therapy with dr masha dot com um, and uh, you could send me uh, an email you could fill out the form and that again goes to my secure email account um, so a good candidate for online therapy if you're comfortable with technology um, that would be a good fit uh, and if you're not actively um, suicidal and a crisis issue. Uh, online therapy wouldn't be the best uh, case if you're no. um, if you need intense treatment or. Uh, but otherwise, if you're comfortable with um, technology, then go ahead and, and find me on online therapy with drmasha.com, uh, and you can go through the different options I list and explain all the options and, and what they really include. I love it that you have a safe email because people don't need to worry about who's going to read this or are they going to pass it around the office and laugh. No, that's one of the great parts. There is privacy. There is security when when you do online therapy. There is. Marsha, we're right up to the end of the show. What's the last thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Um, I want to say that you're not alone in some of these experiences. And today is Valentine's Day. Um, maybe you don't have a significant other. Maybe you do feel a little lonely. Um, but there are ways to, to cope. And there are ways, if you're feeling sad, down, um, insecure, there's, there's ways 
to to work on that and change. So I want to leave the the listeners with a message that, first of all, you're not alone. Um, There's help out there. Um, And that you can get through difficult points in your life um, without developing uh, maybe unhealthy coping behaviors. But there is there is hope. That's when I want to leave. There is hope. Next week's guest is Nathan Snow, who's going to be talking about conflict and how to deal with it. Um, I'd like to wish you again happy Valentine's Day and encourage you not to get too involved in those 58 million pounds of chocolate. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Masha Godkin saying thank you for being with us today. Come back next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.